Well, Father Flamin actually got up on a platform in that village, Gondawage. And they tortured people on these platforms. That's what they were for. And he got up on that torture platform and he actually told them, if you harm one of our Huron allies or a Frenchman, and he had a noose and he held up the noose and said, this is what's going to happen to you. Well, the priest who was recording this wrote this down and you can tell while he's writing it, he's going, gee whiz, I don't know if this is the right message. And you can kind of read between the lines on that account. And I found that to be so uh, shocking. Um, he wasn't bringing the, the pastoral message of Christ that day. He was bringing a warning. That is the voice of Mr. James Kelty, a Catholic filmmaker who made a movie about French missionaries. And this is a story about a French missionary who went into the village where Kateri Tekawitha was born. And while apparently she's standing in the crowd, he mounts a platform and threatens to hang any Mohawk Indian who hurts a French missionary, or a French soldier, or any of their Huron allies. Obviously, our pastoral strategies have changed a little bit, but in order to understand the present, we have to look at the past. Mr. Kelty has made the latter part of his career about telling stories about Catholic missionaries. And so I asked him to explain how he got interested in telling the stories of French and Spanish missionaries in America. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I'm from the Midwest, grew up in Ohio. Uh, a large Catholic family. I have uh, five brothers and a sister. Um, we grew up very devout Catholic uh, all the way through my education. I graduated from Marquette, so you know, 18 years of, uh, of uh, Catholic education. And, um, but uh, interestingly enough, uh, the programs that I'm doing for, um, currently, I've been doing for the last about 10 years now, are stories for the Catholic Network, Global, Global Catholic Network, EWTN. Uh, I don't work for them. I'm a, a contractor, so so we we talk about projects, and uh, they find the money. They come up with some of the money. I come up with some of the money, and for through sponsorships, and we've been doing stories about um, Catholic missionaries for the most part. And we started with the Jesuits up in the Saint Lawrence Valley, the so-called what I call them the French martyrs of North America: Isaac Jogues, René Goupil, Lalamont, uh, etc. Jogues, uh, I said Jogues, uh, Deborah Buff. Uh, who were uh, uh, working up in uh, that area and uh, with the Iroquois and the Huron. Um, and the missionary stories have a common thread for me. And it is that thing that you and I were speaking about a little while ago when I just interviewed you for the new program on Father Kino. And that is that they brought a, a new idea into the cultures they were working to. Uh, it may not be completely new, but it was the idea of, of forgiveness and mercy. What intrigued me about Jim was that it's his big Catholic family background, the education that his parents provided him, that he played basketball for Al McGuire at Marquette University back in the day. All of this prepared him to be this storyteller of Catholic stories as a filmmaker who works with EWTN but also has to raise some money in order to be able to tell these stories. You know, we started out the podcast with this dramatic tale of this French priest standing uh, on this platform in a Mohawk village, the very Mohawk village that Kateri lived in. 
And it's in the wake of the tortures and death of Isaac Jogues and Jean de Brebeuf and these other uh, French missionaries had been killed and threatening them if they should harm another French missionary. So I asked Jim if he could expand on this story because he told them in the Kateri Tekawitha story in another movie he made about the French martyrs called Footsteps in the Wilderness. And so here are his comments on that story and what motivated him to want to tell it. Isaac Jogues had a finger cut off. He fled back. He didn't, I don't know if he fled. He escaped. The Dutch helped him flee. A Dutch traitor. He was a captive of the Iroquois yeah. after they, he went there as a peacemaker, yeah. if you want to jump into that story briefly. He went there, he went there after René Goupil, his, his uh, Doné, was killed in this village of uh, the same village, Gondawage, before Katiri's born. All right, now we're back before Katiri's born. But he's, he's, he, he went back, as he, he, he was tortured in that village. He wasn't killed. Goupil was killed. But he escaped through the help of the Dutch, goes to France, and comes back to the New World, goes back to that village to, as a peacemaker, and I, and I believe is killed there. So why did they do it? That's your question? Yeah. Well, you know the answer. It's their faith. Their, their, they had faith like, a, like iron, like a rock, like we can't imagine. That's the problem we can't imagine. That's the problem, yeah. Yeah. We can't. Like I was asking you before in the interview, or Father Chris, I was asking him, how do we get, how do we open that 300-year-thick door back into those times to understand what those men and women who did these sacrifices, what were they, what was the world, what was what was in them? How did they get that? When you, you've uh, made a, a lot of movies, and I want to focus on one that our viewers might have seen okay. about St. Kateri Tekakwitha. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about her inspires you? Well, this was a very, very troubled uh, culture and that she came from. Um, it, you know, it's very obscure that we don't, we don't have a lot of detail about what her life was like. Uh, we understand that her vision was impaired. We understand that she suffered from uh, a disease that disfigured her earlier in life. And, and we know those things. Those are factually uh, established things. Um, what drew me to it, I think, was your question. Um, well, that, that culture, uh, which was, they'd, they'd just gotten through 50 years of, of of warfare. Uh, they fought the Hurons for, mi- gosh, uh, eons, way before Europeans came. This is the Iroquois League. The Iroquois. Yeah. Uh, the Huron and the Iroquois were uh, pitched enemies long before any Europeans ever arrived on the scene. And when they did, they were bringing that message I talked to you a little bit while ago. Well, I happen to be digging into a wonderful resource about that period called the Jesuit Relations. This is a, an account of over, um, I don't know how many hundreds of years of contact the Jesuits would write back every year to the provincial in, uh, I believe, Paris, uh, giving an account of everything that happened that year. And this is some kind of read. 
Okay, I happened to find, I wrote it in French, I happened to find the actual account of the entry of the Jesuits into St. Kateri's village. I think it was 1676. 17th century, Okay, so she was uh, a young girl when the Jesuits entered into that village, and I found the actual account of what they did in that village that very first day that they'd entered, after the truce had been declared. Well, the French sent a whole... uh, thousand man force down there to finally subdue the Iroquois and they finally accepted the idea of having missionaries come into their villages but it was an uneasy truce so I thought that was really interesting how would this young girl have been what would she have been thinking the day those missionaries arrived and so the the priest that actually baptized Katiri was a father Lamberville and he actually was not one of those three that day, but he came there after that. And he inherited all that uh, hornet's nest that he, and he worked through that. And he actually uh, recognized in her a desire that you were talking about earlier for something different. Yeah. He saw in her that she was open to a new message, okay? And in the end, she, ran, she runs away from the village because the uncle... Io Arano was his name in history. I don't know probably what his real name was, but he was implacably opposed to the Jesuits and their message because, again, it threatened his own power as authority as in that village. He was her uncle, adoptive uncle. Her parents had died in, in, a, in an outbreak of cholera. Uh, it wasn't cholera. It was smallpox. Smallpox, which is what the, the figure. So she, she was an orphan yeah. adopted by her uncle who was a very controlling person apparently and tried to stop her from fleeing. Well, in my story, she flees to Canada. And guess who's the guess who's running that mission? Father Jacques Fremont. Okay. And so there they are together again. No account of how that interaction went I could find anywhere in history. So I kind of made it up. But she worked her 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 faith on him in a way. It was kind of a role reversal, I thought. Uh, for an elderly man who was probably discouraged about a long life in the new world that where well, some gains a lot of losses, you know, so that's what we did and Father Lamberville and I did prove that he wound up there too is Getting it from Fremont at the end of what happened to Kateri after she fled that village because she um, She was there in that village before she fled during a uh, uh, an episode of warfare in which captives were brought back to her village and tortured. Those two movies, Footprints in the Wilderness from 2011 and Kateri from 2015, which coincided with her canonization, were both very well received. Uh, They're really wonderful movies about both the French missionary effort in the St. Lawrence Seaway and the story as best it can be told of St. Kateri Tekakwitha. You have to recall that when you're dealing with these matters from the frontier uh, in the 17th century, the primary sources are few and far between. You have the Jesuit relations, which are the, the reports the Jesuits would write yearly back to their superiors in France. That's what Jim was referring to. So that's at least how the Jesuits see what's happening in their area. But then, of course, you also just have the stories that are told about St. Kateri from the mission that she fled to, uh, which is up in modern Canada, and you can still visit. Uh, And so 
what I wanted to do was to talk about how Jim got interested in the stories of the Spanish missionaries, especially our father Kino, which is how I met him when he went on a recent Kino mission tour with Father Greg Adolph and myself. And so I asked him to talk a little bit about the movie that he made in 2013, which was about Father Junipero Serra, who also was canonized right about the time uh, the movie came out. Well, again, we're, we're working a little bit with the opportunity that his 300th anniversary uh, was affording us of, of having a, a story that, look, movies cost money. So, so you know, we, we were realizing that we had an opportunity, that there was going to be some interest in public publicity about him, and then so we were able to get a, get a budget to do it, for one thing. So, I mean, I'm not going to be too coy about that. That That's one important thing. I'll never apologize as a filmmaker for the, the hunt for money. I mean, you, you got to do it. The Spanish colonial effort had some real negative consequences for natives. Of course, everybody talks about disease and how many died. That, that wasn't deliberate. I mean, they didn't understand that what, what was causing disease. Killed Europeans wasn't too. Even, yeah, yeah, it wasn't even known until Pasteur, Pasteur, uh, Pasteur what the germ uh, basis for disease was. They thought it was a balance of humor. So I, I, can't, I can't fault the missionaries for, for the, the die-off. I, I really... All right, go back to the primary sources. When, when uh, Father um, at the mission in San Diego was killed, Jaime, Father Jaime was killed by the Indian, the Kumayana. And this is San Diego de Alcala. San Diego, San Diego de Alcala in present-day San Diego. It's, it's, the first mission founded in California by Junipero Serra. You can still visit it there when you go to San, Fran San Diego. So go. Father Jaime was killed there in, uh, I think it was 1769, something like that. You, they criticized Father Serra. Father Serra wrote to the Viceroy in Mexico a letter, and he said, If I am killed... I want no retribution against the perpetrators. That's in writing. You can read it. Now, you can say that he, he might have been an irascible man. He might have had a short temper. I don't know. I don't think he ever beat Indians, I'll tell you that. Jim, uh, our parish priests aren't like that anymore. Continue with your story. <laughs> Thanks for throwing in that in. Um, so that was that was my answer to the people who were lopping the heads off of Finipro Stero Satches in 2013, which is what they were doing. Or removed them from Stanford University. Or, yeah. yes, uh, because of the... I don't think they went back and looked at the record. I mean, you have to separate him from the system he had to work in. Um, yes, Indians who left, natives who left the missions were brought back. I don't think he probably... Uh, fought against that. Although there were, I know that this is in this is primary source. When some Spanish soldiers ran away from the Presidio in Carmel, which is where he eventually wound up, that was the mission headquarters, Carmel near near Monterey. When these uh, soldiers ran off and were taken up, taking up with Indians, Father Sarah in black and white, he said, "If they come back, if they get married, all will be forgiven." Why no, do you think no. Sarah is a uh, an admirable figure, a saint. Well, I think because of the things I said, I think that the, there was the genuine concern for the native culture, the, for the natives themselves as people, as human beings, and for the salvation of their souls. There was a genuine, genuine concern there. Jim's experience making a story about uh, Saint Junipero Serra uh, familiar, familiarized him with the story of the Spanish missions. And so 
uh, I asked him what drew him to tell the story of Father Kino, who is a uh, contemporary of the French missionaries whose story he told and slightly predates uh, St. Junipero. Um, well, I had, after doing Father Sarah, I thought I'd done the, uh, the giant of the, of the North American uh, missionaries. And uh, I'm hearing down here, no, no, no. You, you've, you've, got, uh, you've got a giant in Kino. And I read uh, the 600-page uh, biography, The Rim of Christendom by Bolton. And I love the, it's written in the 30s, so it's really an old resource, but uh, I like the way he writes. And, I, I, and, I, and, and I, there's not the modern political correct biases that, that you get in a lot of the writing today. And, um, and I loved it. And I, I was astounded. I, I'm just frankly astounded at how many miles this guy put in on horseback in the service of, of, of Christ. And... Uh, and, and helping these people, same genuine concern for them. That's what they brought, and that's why he was so well-received. So, and my brother who lives in Tucson kept telling me, Jim, Kino, Kino, Kino. And so I finally go, okay, all right, talk to the network about it, see if they want to do it. And we're happy they did. When do you think the movie on Father Kino might come out? Well, I'm shooting to wrap it up by March. I'm always a little ambitious, but um, and then they're they are the ones who decide. They when, being EWTN. EWTN will decide when it airs, um, but yeah, I don't think too long after that. I think Father Eusebio Kino's story is a wonderful story. Imagine a university professor who's doing just fine. Uh, decides that he's going to spend the rest of his life uh, serving Christ uh, amongst people who've never heard of him. It's the same story if you watch the movie on Father Junipero Serra, who also was a university professor and decided to go out to the frontier. You know, the story of the missions, whether the French or the Spanish missions, they're not all good, they're not all bad. Not every uh, man who served in the missions is a saint. But there are some remarkable stories. And, uh, Isaac Jogue, Jean de Brebeuf, Kateri Tekikwitha, Junipera Serra, and Eusebio Kino are some of those wonderful stories. You know, if you'd like to learn more about uh, the missions here in southern Arizona, come along this spring on our Kino mission tour. We run them in the fall and the spring, and it's a great way to go and see northern Mexico and uh, celebrate the faith and this great history of the Spanish missions. This has been another episode of Oro Valley Catholic, and I urge you to share this with your friends. God bless you.